So here's a fun fact. Apparently, architects in Russia suck at their job. I think we've had three doctors now fall out of a window. And then we had a researcher, a Chinese national working at the University of Pittsburgh that was killed recently in a murder-suicide, apparently over a girl, which is totally believable. Now, I don't know that that is or is not what happened, but I'm going to definitely pose a theory to you and connect who these two individuals are, the companies they work for, the research that they have done, and how that connects to China and other nations, and why it fits the profile on the surface of looking like why somebody was removed from the playing field. Doesn't mean that's what happened, but I'm going to show you, using some simple analysis and research, how this is done in the intel world and how we make these connections. This is all done through open source, and I'll provide you that information, put some links in the show notes. But by going through this, we'll look at this and see, does it look like, or is it probable, that there's another reason why this guy was killed? That's what we're going to talk about right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. This is episode 18 of The Gray Man, and I know what you're thinking, where you been for the last week? Well, I was coughing up a bit of the green stuff, and it was affecting my voice and ability to speak well. So the last few shows I was going to do, I had to skip. But I got four right here in the hot seat ready to go. And we're going to start out with this one, looking at Chinese intelligence and espionage around the world and how things are done to remove people from the playing field, why that might have happened, and who these specific guys are that we're looking at from Pittsburgh. Now, this article is posted in several locations. I'm going to be reading one from the Jerusalem Post. So you can look this up. You can look up the names, the Jerusalem Post, or anything happening in Pittsburgh, or you can go to the... David M. Robertson, which is the DMR Publications Facebook page. You can uh, find it either through my personal Facebook page or you can just go search David Robertson and look up for a nice-looking guy in a black polo shirt. You should be following that if you're interested in following world affairs. But one of the things it talks about on this is that reported today on May 6th that a University of Pittsburgh researcher claimed to have been on the verge of a significant breakthrough in his research of the coronavirus was killed in what appears to be a murder-suicide on Saturday a few days ago. Police found 37-year-old Bing Lu, who worked as an assistant professor at the university, dead in his house, having been shot by a guy who went outside and then shot himself in his car. Murder-suicide. That guy was 46-year-old, and he was found dead. Lu was working at the Pittsburgh School of Medicine's Department of Computational and Systems Biology, doing some research. Supposedly was on the verge of a breakthrough in his studies on coronavirus, according to a written statement by the department. Their statement says, part of it, Bing was on the verge of making very significant findings towards understanding the cellular mechanisms that underline SARS-CoV-2 infection and the cellular basis of the following complications. We'll make an effort to complete what he started in an effort to pay homage to his scientific excellence. The police are saying they haven't had anything at this point come to an investigation that has to do with his employment or his research. One theory that's out there is it has to do with love triangle, a girl, something along those lines, maybe a guy, I don't know. Um, I want to say, though, before we begin, there's every reason to believe this is a legit story and that it was over something, money, a girl, whatever, and it's a murder-suicide just as much as it's believable the guy was removed from the playing field. It looks like a guy that's removed from the playing field, and I'm going to explain why, but I definitely don't have enough information to say that's absolutely the case. But I tend to lean that way. The other thing I want to point out, too, is there's nothing against the Pittsburgh Police Department. Let's say, in fact, this guy was removed from the playing field by Chinese nationals working in the world of espionage or some other similar related field, it would look like what they found. That's just part of how that's done. So when you see it in the movies, they say, well, we're going to do this and do this and make it look like a murder-suicide or a burglary gone wrong or make it look like a theft. 
that's realistic. That can happen. It just isn't done by everybody all the time. There's people that know how to do that. There's actually training out there for it that some people get in order to cover their tracks. So that's a very viable possibility. And we'll talk a little bit about who this guy is and why what he could have been finding would have been very important is he's a very smart guy. A lot of what he did had to do in this specific study with cell mechanisms, part of that cell process they're talking about. Some of the stuff involved in that looks at the concentration of ions, what happens when it sits in a cell too long. The other things they might look at is how one cell influences another cell, or they can look at things like the cell's membranes and how their behavior is altered when something either stops, affects, or gets into that membrane. I mention that because depending on how much an individual is following out there on the medical developments and research done in this, a lot of it's been looking at cellular structures and cell membranes and this type of thing. Now this guy, this researcher, Bing, his studies have to do with uh, computer systems and mostly biology and medicine. What he does is called computational systems biology. He develops computational modeling. We've heard about modeling a lot lately, especially if you're following the news, Dr. Fauci, any of these guys talking about modeling, just a process of making estimates and forecasting. He uses simulation and analysis techniques to study the dynamics of biological systems, which sounds really fancy. He works with a lot of different biologists and medical professionals studying these processes, and he focuses heavily on the human immune system and cancer research. Now, I'm going to put part of his resume in the show notes for those that are interested. I can just tell you, if you just look at the last five, six years, it's pretty impressive the stuff he's done. Whether you understand it or not, you can look it all up. A lot of it has to do with synaptic pathways in the brain, things to do with different types of cancer, like pancreatic cancer and the human immune system, as well as studying cell structures and all the stuff he's doing in biology and a lot of things dealing with computer systems and how to do the modeling to try and find cures for disease. His research program he's working on, he just added coronavirus into it because of the pandemic. He's actually been doing that for about six years and focusing heavily on radiation diseases, liver diseases, asthma, drug abuse, cancer, and neurodegenerative diseases and studying those things. Before that, he was at uh, Carnegie Mellon University as a postdoctorate fellow, which is also in Pittsburgh, where he worked in the computer science department doing a lot of stuff involving modeling which was modeling different therapeutic strategies also for things like radiation, pancreatic cancer, prostate cancer, and a few other diseases. Then he was a research fellow at the National University of Singapore. That's where he got his base education at. He was also a teaching assistant there and got his PhD in computer science and a bachelor's of computer science in Singapore. A lot of what he did too as a research fellow was focusing on quantitative study of a variety of biological processes for chromosome movement, neuronal growth, DNA damage repair, developing methods and tools for modeling of dynamic systems. And it's just more and more the same stuff, but it all comes down to doing a lot of research, doing computer-based mathematical modeling on cancer research and other diseases to try to find cures, also to forecast how they're going to develop, how they're going to change, and how they're going to mutate, which comes back to the cell stuff that we talked about in the first part of that article. The point of that is to tell you that he's a really smart guy. But it comes from Singapore. So why does that matter? Singapore is a nation of about 5.5 million people. Of those 5.5 million, a little bit more than 2 million of them are permanent residents who've immigrated there. They're not born in that country. A little over 1.5 million of those 2 million are Chinese nationals, about 75%. And most of them are there to be workers and to go to college. A lot of Chinese nationals go to college in Singapore. Now, why do I mention that? Well, if you haven't listened to it or it's been a while and you don't remember, go back and look at that other podcast I did on Chinese spies in the media where I talked about them recruiting in colleges and how they do that around the world. 
part of that is to place people in colleges or use them in other nations that you are allies with in order to get them the specific education you need. Now, does that mean that guy was planted there to be a spy? No, it absolutely does not. There's nothing indicating that at this point. Just because there's Chinese nationals going there doesn't make them a spy. Almost none of them will actually be working in espionage. Most of them will just be legit students studying something. If you do look up Chinese-Singapore relations, you'll see that they're very, very close friends when it comes to things like immigration, trade, education. You'll find a large number of Chinese population there, and you'll even find places that say or suggest that they consider Singapore part of China. Not in the same way that they're arguing about Taiwan, but they're that close of an ally and a friend that they might as well be China. Now, the thing about Singapore is a lot of people don't think about intelligence agencies in another country, and that's for some of the big world powers, but they do have an intelligence apparatus there. One of them is the Security Intelligence Division, which is an external uh, security agency for intelligence and espionage, much like CIA or MI6. They also have an internal security division that works just within the borders of Singapore. Now, one of the things to understand, too, is because they're such close allies and because of the high population density of Chinese nationals and Chinese ethnic individuals living in Singapore, guess who a lot of people are inside these divisions? They're either Chinese nationals or ethnically Chinese. Still doesn't mean they're bad. But that's just reality. The other thing to understand, too, is whether you want to recruit somebody that's, say, in college to perform espionage or you want to place somebody there to go to college that's in espionage or you want to track the movement and development of somebody who's a very smart guy to see what they're doing, you do it through an intelligence service. And if China was going to do it, why would they do it with their own Chinese intelligence service when they can just have their Singapore guys do it that are right there and know everything? That's how this works. Now, I'm not saying that happened here, but do understand that that's how it works. People go through proxies or use allies when it comes to the intelligence services to either track people, follow them, recruit them, or place them. There's no reason to send your own people there when you've got a strong ally right there in place. Another thing we should probably cover is the fact that Singapore is considered a state in Malaysia or a state of Malaysia. Now, if you look it up, there's actually a merger that happened between Singapore and Malaysia back in the 60s. And merger is a good term for it because it looks a lot like a business merger where they decide who's getting fired, who's getting fired, what stuff Singapore is still going to control themselves, and what stuff are they going to work with Malaysia on. But they are very close allies. Now, if you're wondering, does China and Malaysia have close ties? Yes, they do. They have economic ties, military ties, trade ties, things like this. They're very close allies. They do have a strong relationship. Some things to note is that Malaysia does have a little friction with them on times. Malaysia does have claims to the South China Sea. Not that China's going to care because Malaysia is not big enough to matter in that sense. Additionally, they get a little upset about Chinese investment in their country because that tends to be followed by immigration of Chinese nationals. Why does that matter? Well, I've talked about the Trans-Pacific Partnership before in the South China Sea and how long that's been going on and how China has moved throughout from Africa going east into towards the South China Sea with all these nations and been doing this for many decades now, creating a system of debt, heavily investing in these countries so that they're owed money and favors by them to have influence. They're actually in a sort of a way following a plan of colonialism, I guess you could say, that we did and nations before us did throughout history. And then by doing this, they can also place some of their nationals there to spread Chinese influence and get them involved in business and government, military, what have you. And that causes issue with Malaysia on occasions, but it's considered very minor overall. Now, this isn't to say there's some widespread conspiracy behind all these nations. It's just to point out one simple fact. It's very easy to follow things. And when you should look at countries, you should look at their relations with any countries you see reported the news or anything connected to something you're looking at, which is why we picked Singapore and Malaysia and made those connections because of the education this guy get down there in Singapore. That's the only reason we did that. 
And you have to go into it realizing countries have connections with other countries all the time, good, bad, or indifferent. Now, another reason we're looking at this is China, like Russia, is known to kill people. A lot of people do it. Hell, we do it. Most of the time now we do it with military action, but we still do it. Um, people do that all the time. They either assassinate people, remove them, bribe them. Sometimes they just continue to let them do what they're doing. Some of the biggest things China focuses on, though, is the Tibetan independence movement, the whole free Tibet thing. They're not big fans of that, so they like to get rid of people that preach that because they think Tibet still belongs to them. There's also the Ugars, one of the minorities in northern China. They're actually ethnically Turkish or connected to the Turks. They're one of the minorities that they throw in re-education camps and detention centers all the time and take away a lot of their rights and freedoms. There's also, of course, the Taiwan independence movement, which is something that uh, they don't want. They believe Taiwan belongs to them. And then there's also the Fulan Gong, which means wheel of practice, which is a fun little fact. It actually is a practice of meditation and exercises and moral philosophies that are based on Buddhism. Why is this such a big deal? It grew uh, dramatically in the late 90s, going into the turn of the century, to where they had over 70 million known practitioners, which is a lot. And that's a pretty big portion of the population. And they try to crack down and get rid of it using propaganda and arresting people and doing what they can because of their influence on the government and being a communist nation. They're just not okay with that. And they want to get rid of that kind of thing. Now, I didn't find any connections between Mr. Bing Lu and any of this stuff going on, but I did look for that to try to find out if there's any connections as to find a reason other than these viral studies on why he may have been taken off the playing field. But there's not a lot of personal information out there. So now we're just stuck with his viral research. One thing to point out too is while it's uh, pretty cool, I think what he was doing in studying is things like that type of modeling is done every day. People do it for stock market and investments. Governments and militaries do it for military action. They do it for world trade. Of course, we clearly do it for studying diseases and pandemics. David Robertson on Chris Breeble Thoughts and Philosophies at DMR Publications does modeling on all sorts of things all the time and has some insights and studies that he's done around the world. And it's just a probable method of forecasting. And there's different ways you can do it. And it's just the general term. But do understand that that is done all the time and that it is very important to this story. But to continue the story, we do need to stop and take a brief look at this other guy named Hao Gu. He's the 47-year-old guy, I think he was, that killed Mr. Bing. And what did this guy do? Well, he was a chief software architect for the last 16 years at the Eaton Corporation. He primarily focused doing hands-on development of what they call their Global Internet of Things platform. And you're like, well, what is the Global Internet of Things? It's a collaboration with Microsoft. There's other companies involved like IBM and Ericsson. And it has to do with consistent connectivity um, using Microsoft Azure's cloud computing platform. So what does that exactly mean? Well, it has to do with advancements in technologies. And what they're trying to do is have constant connectivity digitally using computers on everything from electrical grids, building healthcare, uh, manufacturing facilities, transportation, even your house using the Microsoft system. These power solutions, what they do is they collect data, they learn and provide actual insights to optimize power use con continuity. That's how they describe it. Two things about that. Number one, I just want to throw back Operation Olympic Games, the Stuxnet virus. Look for the movie Zero Days on YouTube. It's out there. If you go to my YouTube channel and look at my last video for False Flags, there's a link to it. You can also watch it on iTunes. I think there's other streaming services. And you can look at what can happen 
with computer systems when they're all connected like that and what capabilities we have as a nation along with a couple other countries and how long ago that happened. I want to point that out. The other thing is learn and provide actual insights to optimize power. Um, if you look more into this, you also find out that they're a big partner and researcher and looking at things like artificial intelligence, which is a developing emerging technology. Some people don't think exists, but yes, it absolutely does exist, just in very small levels and very controlled environments. But that is a growing concern. And some people say, that's the future. Well, that was the statement 20 years ago. Now we're moving on to other things. But I do want to point that out, that that plays a role. And all these things are actually done and forecasted through modeling. And when you have computer systems doing this, they're actually doing live models and making adjustments as they need to. But that's part of what the Internet of Things does. Now, Eaton is a big company. They're headquarters here in the United States, but they are an, actually an Irish-based company out of Ireland. And they do have locations around the world and several subsidiaries and many in China. They do joint ventures with different companies like Caterpillar. They also have close relationships with many other companies you probably never heard of. And a lot of their business focuses in hydraulics, aerospace, uh, electrics, semiconductors, computer-based systems, all these types of things. And most of their products and things they develop are actual physical items, such as like breakers and switch gears and all kinds of circuits and these different things needed to make machines work. You'll find if you look into them that they actually have financial agreements and stuff with different countries, including China, but there are other countries as well. You also see they have acquisitions of different companies. And if you look into those, you might find interesting things like Westinghouse, for example, the specific Westinghouse that is a that is directly connected to Viacom CBS, which is just a fun fact. Now, the reason I say that's a fun fact is I want to point out something. Just because there's connections between companies in other countries or within a country, whatever, doesn't mean there's anything nefarious. That is normal. So when you look at these international corporations, a company like Eaton does about $25 billion in business a year making physical products used around the world. They're going to have connections to other countries. They're going to have locations in other countries when they get that big. What you want to look at when you find these things is the relationships between those countries, which I started out with. But actually, when I did the research, I found Eaton, and then I looked up those relationships just to look up certain things, like how close are their trade and economic ties? That helps support and understand why a company like Eaton might have locations in these other countries. And then you start looking at financial relationships, like how involved are they with their banking systems? How involved are they with world trade? If they have little involvement in one country, does that mean they have little involvement in all countries? No, you got to look at each one individually. Then you dig into people like CEOs and presidents and board members, as well as parent corporations and subsidiary country companies. And start tearing those apart, looking at the same people and the same relationships. When were they acquired? Why were they acquired? How much money are they making? And this becomes a bigger connection of follow the money. Now, it's not that we're necessarily looking for anything to prove espionage here. We're just saying that all these things are here and you have to go that deep into it to start making the connections to understand what is natural and makes sense here about all these connections and what could be nefarious. Which is why when you look at trade relations or relations between two nations, even if it's not trade, you find out interesting fun facts. So that's why if you look into China and their espionage and their enforcement and connected to Singapore, you find things about like the Ugars and free Tibet and free Taiwan and why they might go out and kill people or put them in prison or re-education camps. Now, if you remember, I mentioned about Chinese involvement in other countries and relationships with other countries and how Chinese created systems of debt and things they've done and investing in these companies and investing in countries might get Chinese nationals to move there and how they're 
spreading an influence around the world, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Some of it's just great opportunities for good people. But one of the things I mentioned was that Eaton was an Irish-based company. That's where it actually is from. And China and Iran have had a growing relationship, especially in trade, since the turn of the century, and it's grown significantly. Additionally, they've had uh, what's considered a booming relationship when it comes to education of both countries. And there was an agreement China and Ireland signed about 20 years ago, and it gets to send more Chinese students to go to school in Ireland, which is an interesting fact. Part of that's just going to be connected to things like trade. For example, China dominates the portion of Ireland's foreign business to their strongest foreign trading partners from Ireland is China. Now, that's not specifically too surprising. Uh, It is a little bit, but there's a lot of Chinese trade that comes up through and gets into the European Union area. Now, if you're wondering what all this means, I just want to point out, I'll put some links down in the show notes of a few things I looked up, and you should definitely look up some of these trade relationships or country relationships, intelligence services, to do a little more research yourself to understand how I came up with this. But I want you to know flat out, this took me about 10 minutes, maybe 15. That's just because I'm fast at it and understand a few things. But I'm going to tell you a few things that make sense. Uh, One of the things I just know to be factual, I just don't know specifically right now who's where, is that countries like ours in China do put people into colleges or into jobs because of their education system in other countries where they want to spy. China's been busted for it recently here. So that's that's a given. There are close relationships with Singapore and the schools there, as well as the Tanji University in China, which is where the guy who was the killer who killed himself went to school, are places where they do send these assets or they recruit people out of there or they watch people out of there and approach them later in life. That's reality. That does happen. So I knew that right away. The other thing is looking at all these connections to these other countries. Those can go a lot deeper. You can understand why those things make sense and why they're there, but how they can be nefarious or look bad. The other thing, though, that's really the most important is looking at what these guys were doing. The guy that's the researcher has a PhD dealing with computer science and some other degrees and studies all that stuff in biology that connected him to the coronavirus. The other guy is a software nerd. He's a coder. He writes software and develops these systems and is working in connection with things that are for the development of artificial intelligence. That's why I gave the shout out back to Operation Olympic Games, an operation that started back in the 90s. And if you haven't watched the Zero Days yet, just remember, when they start to explain how big and how large that worm is, that was done over 20 years ago. Imagine what they can do now. You got to remember whoever the famous author was who essentially said, magic is just science we don't understand. I think it was H.G. Wells or somebody like that. I mean, look at some other things, the stealth bomber. If you go back and research the stealth bomber, here's a fun fact, and you can find this information. You have to know where to look. The original prototype for the stealth bomber in that shape actually started flying around 1946, 1947. There's actually known UFO sightings that match that prototype aircraft that was a classified test vehicle. I'm not saying UFOs are real, not real. I just want to use that as an example. Imagine what's going on now, the SR-71. No matter how far back you go back and how much they update the information, that thing was flying as a reconnaissance field during Vietnam and was flying before that in the early 60s. I mentioned in my last show some tidbits about surveillance and what surveillance is capable of, and I barely scratched the surface on it. Pay attention to those things. All I'm saying is these are developing technologies. They're not going away. This is how we're fighting wars now. This is how we're monitoring people. This is how we're surveilling. This is how we're placing people to get into places to get information to plant bad information 
Now, knowing these things and everything that's going on, it's hard to say how these two individuals knew each other. There's enough there in their professional life that they could have met one way or another. They're both Chinese nationals, so it's entirely possible being in the Pittsburgh area, depending on how many Chinese nationals are there and working in this type of business and industry, that they could have ran into each other that way. They may have already known each other. Initially, what it looked like was a handler relationship where the guy who was the killer is the guy I would have pegged as the handler because of the university he went to and where he works and for how long in that company, monitoring certain assets in the area, one being being Lou. That's a strong possibility. But here are the unknowns. Here are the things that I cannot answer. One is, why did he kill himself? Now, there's a few reasons why. One is, he could have been told to do it. That is possible, but highly unlikely. There are people that are that devout just like they are in religions that are with their countries, that they will do whatever they're told. But that's pretty rare to find anymore outside of religious extremism. Another possibility is that they were both killed by somebody else, or he did in fact shoot that guy and then somebody killed him. Now it could be because they were both assets. It could be because that guy failed as a handler. Um, there's a lot of reasons there, but they'll never find that out. But I guarantee you intelligence agencies are looking at this because they've probably been tracking at least one of these guys, if not both of them. And the guy that they're probably most recently paying attention to would have been that researcher because they're tracking all the people that are studying and researching that stuff that are publishing data and connected to it, many of whom none of us have ever heard about. And it's also because they track and follow stuff in our universities all the time. Also being Chinese nationals, not just because they're from that country, but immigrants in general, they have been spoken to by intelligence agencies because of where they work, especially with their international travel, and they are monitored to some degree. So somebody definitely knows what is going on. The other thing is we don't really know what he was looking into into this virus. Now, of course, a lot of people see that here in China and have already made up their decision based on their own conspiracy theory. They haven't looked into it, and that's called confirmation bias. You're just finding things and trying to make connections that are or are not there to confirm something you already believe. There's actually nothing there indicating that China, in fact, removed this guy from the playing field. It just very strongly looks like it. I say there's nothing there because all these connections are superficial. They're all on the surface. They're all open source, and there's not enough other information. I only looked in this for about 10 or 15 minutes. However, I did think about it, ponder it for about an hour and a half, going over things I knew in my head, and then pulled up a few websites and decided to do a show on it because I mentioned if I ever saw anything that looks like espionage or an assassination or something like that, I would explain why it looks like it. Another thing to note, though, about what he was working on, what exactly was he doing? Does this support or confirm another theory? I don't know. It's possible. I mean, this could have to do with all the conspiracy theories about why the virus is out there or whether or not it's a weapon. It could be, but more than likely in these days, it actually comes down to money. It's mostly money driven because it's an international business. I would look more into things like the vaccinations where Kennedy came out today and was a little upset, made a video stating that forced vaccinations are coming probably only going to come from one company and it looks like there'd be no liability on that company. Now I don't know how true any of that is, but things like that speak money. From the beginning, whether anybody thought about it or not, when you have a new disease, more than likely there's going to be some sort of cure, whether it's a pure pill or a vaccination, which means somebody's going to make money off it. That's just how that business works. But if it's in fact true, there's going to be no recourse or liability for it. That is an odd thing. The other thing that happens is, depending on what his researches are finding, could it affect that? Could it affect a vaccine? Is the vaccine even needed? Could it come out and say something about the numbers, the origin of the virus? Could it be a discovery about something that nobody else has found yet that could tell us a lot about this virus, how it's designed, what's behind it, where it came from, what animals did it come from, or what lab if it was built? 
could it affect what business is going to get what contract to make what medicine in what country? Maybe it has nothing to do with America. Maybe it's about the cure being somewhere else. We don't know. And it also looks very, very bad because you got doctors in Russia falling out of windows. So when these things show up, you have to look into them, but that's how you do it. So to give you an overview, no matter what you think about this, this is to show you and understand how to do this. You find an idea. So in this situation, we got doctors falling out of windows, and then we got a murder-suicide and another doctor who's studying and looking into coronavirus who is about to make some sort of significant discovery that hasn't been explained to us. He happens to be Chinese national. China, Russia, both look bad. Both kill people. Still do it. They make no bones about it. Research is coming from Singapore, close Chinese ally, place where they put people or recruit people or monitor people from those universities, especially in very specific fields that have to do with computers, modeling, algorithms, as well as medical research, which also affects this current event. Then you got this other guy coming out of Shanghai University. Same thing, coming from Tongji, what they put people there for. Fits the profile of a handler or another I'll say committed known asset, a trained spy versus an untrained guy. Definitely fits the profile. Working and development towards system that relate to, if not directly involved in, development of artificial intelligence. You want to make this bigger? Let's get conspiracy theory on this because you got to remember I told you, when you work in this business, you have to be a conspiracy theory thinker. You just have to know how to look at them correctly. Remember I mentioned that one aircraft flew in 1946-47 that people thought was in a UFO. Let's think UFOs. All that's coming out now. We had all those videos come out, right, about UFOs. We have more and more people coming out, pointing out things of videos that are UFOs that are old enough people know what the technology is now. But let's say some of that's real, right? Let's just say for the sake of argument, some of it's test vehicles, some of it's nothing, and some of it's real. And then we have developing technologies. And it looks like somebody's going to come out and talk about it. Well, if it is real and you believe that all that stuff is actual evidence... What's the benefit of not talking about it? Well, the strongest argument for that is the fact that most of these shows that talk about UFOs talk about the technology and how it advances our technology. Whoever owns the technology makes the money. So if one country or more than one country has access to some sort of technology nobody understands, whoever can get it on the market first is going to make the most money. That's why you keep that stuff quiet. That is the exact same thing as medical researchers who are finding whatever they're finding for this pandemic that's going to affect the next step, whether it's a technology, a cure, a medical development, whoever controls it, controls that money. And a lot of times it is just as much, if not more corporations and companies than it is governments. Now that's not just to go off a of conspiracy tangents. I just got to say, that's how you got to look at it. That's how deep you have to go into it and think conspiracy theory, but you have to connect the dots. Don't make leaps, connect dots. So, as I said before, I don't really know what happened there. There isn't enough information that I have access to, and I'm not going to take enough time to look into it to actually come up with a final decision. But I will tell you, that type of event could be staged to look like that and would be very convincing if it was to happen. They fit the profile of at least one person who was probably what we call unwittingly involved or at least being monitored by a foreign intelligence service and one who was probably a member. The action that took place, of course, looks suspicious, not just because it's China, but because it happened in Russia recently, too. And those are becoming more public. It also matches the methods and technologies and things we've seen come out about countries, especially China and our nation, recruiting, removing people, trying to commit espionage and different acts and collect intelligence that we've known about for a long time. It's just only gone public a lot in the last few years, especially the last two. 
So there's definitely enough things there that make it look like this is exactly what happened. But the question is why? And the why is probably going to come down to not what did he almost discover, but what would that discovery have done? And probably isn't something by itself that was going to be by itself the game changer. The discovery may be a game changer, but it probably was or is going to contribute to something larger. That being said, as I mentioned in the last podcast, I got six books sitting here. I'm going to give away three pairs of books on detecting deception, two different detecting deception books that I recommend. These are two of my library books I use when I train intelligence professionals and interrogators and those that are practitioners of low-level espionage actions on recruiting spies and interrogating. I'm not going to tell you what the books are titled. I'm just going to tell you they're free because I'm going to mail them to you at my own expense. One book is written by a guy who is actually very educated and skilled on reading emotions on people's faces and understanding their emotional belief systems behind what they're doing. And the other one is written by a few members that are former CIA case officers. Now, I'm telling you about this now to keep your head involved in the game, give you time to go back and listen to anything involving detecting deception or interrogation when it came to this podcast, as well as going to the YouTube channel and watching any of those. Some of those are older videos and are a lot lengthier, so I want you to figure out who I am on there. Just kind of go to the parts where I'm talking to look that stuff up. I am going to do another upcoming podcast here shortly on detecting deception to answer a viewer's question, as well as clarify a few things. And then at some point in the next probably three podcasts, I'm going to announce exactly how we're going to do this kind of contest. I got to put it all together. I'm probably going to do one or two different type of contests. I could just do a drawing and a giveaway, but it's my show and I want you to try and take some of the stuff and put it into practice. So we're going to see how good your detecting deception skills are. We'll talk about that. Might do a live show on it or might do a video response. Definitely do a podcast talking about some of your questions, things we find based on what I give you to do for your own research, what may be involved watching me or watching TV shows or movies or other situations and documentaries where I'll find short little clips for you to watch and evaluate and pick out what you think deception is. And then the people that are closest and do the best are probably going to get these books sent to them. I do want to throw this out there. While most of the listeners are in North America, I'm only going to mail this within North America. I will mail it to Canada and the 50 U.S. states as well as our territories. But other than that, it's going to be way too expensive to send them to you. But I want to let you know that that is coming up. So if you like this, don't forget to share and give a heart or a like or whatever on whatever platform you're on. At this point, I'm getting messages from people on podcast platforms I didn't even know exist. I think one's called Beanpot or something like that. But they're definitely out there. Check the show notes for links on this show where I got two or three in there about these guys and some of the stuff I found through research. Also check out DMR Publications, The Disagreeable Thoughts and Philosophy of David Robertson. The link's down below where he did an actual, just recent, this Saturday, his show was on COVID-19. It was a really good one. You're going to like it. Real smooth talk. Good to go talking about all the different things, what may or may not be true, where he starts to take a position and try to give you better information to figure out what is and isn't a hoax. So thank you. We look forward to giving you another podcast here shortly on Gray Man Hiding in Plain Sight.